G'day you mob, welcome to this episode of The Goss, where we sit down each week, my dad and I, and we talk about the week's news in Australia and worldwide. So, it's getting harder and harder to find good news stories, guys. I tell you what, there is definitely one certain news story that is on the news, that is in the media, that is soaking up all of the headlines, and it is... Driving it. most people nuts, I think. They're getting a bit over hearing about the C word, right? The C word. Anyway, today's a really good episode. It ended up being a massively long one. So, again, I'm going to divide it into two parts for your benefit, but also for my transcriber's benefit, as I'm sure he doesn't want to sit there for two hours and just do one episode. So, in the first half, guys, we talk about blind piano tuner Graham McGowan. And his job, we talk about how Queensland fishermen are fighting with sharks over their livelihood. So, they're trying to catch fish, but sharks are giving them a hard time and they're getting sharked, right? (laughs) They've turned the word into a verb, sharked. We also talk about a five-metre albino Burmese python that was found in Queensland this week and a bit more about introduced species in Australia and the exotic pet trade and we compare it to the United States of America. And then lastly, we get on to middle-aged women who are turning to bodybuilding. They are becoming bodybuilders. And more broadly, we talk about the fashion scene and bodybuilding and unrealistic expectations with body types and how they may affect children and teenagers. Don't forget, guys, if you want access to the entire episode today, make sure to sign up for the Aussie English Premium Podcast or for the Academy, you can do so at aussieenglish.com.au to get the video, the full MP3 and the transcript. Without any further ado, guys, let's get into today's episode. Smack the kookaburra and let's begin. We're on the go. We're going. So, Dad... Welcome to this episode of the Goss number 13. 13. Lucky 13. 13. Yeah. 13. So, that's, yeah, 12 weeks worth, I think. Yeah, because yeah, we doubled up for one of them. Exactly. We might have to do that today. Uh, we'll see how we go. But um, how's your week been? You don't want to talk about it or you do want to talk about it? Oh, yeah. Look, it's been okay. We've got um, I had a field trip for the photography class that I'm running and then tonight's class has been cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> so, the uh, the local community centre is basically shutting down. That's only their admin staff who are going to be working, so there's no classes on. Are no we are we mentioning sessions. the the reason the C for word. why or are we not are we trying to avoid that today? Uh, look, if we can avoid it, but it's the only <laughs> bloody story in the news. And in fact, even the other stories open with the line, you're probably sick of hearing about the C word, so we're going to talk about something else. So uh, It's become yeah. the new C word, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. pretty irritating because I'm trying to find news stories and it has just dominated the news. Oh, completely. It's yeah. like every single thing is COVID, 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 yeah. COVID, COVID. And, you know, you go onto Reddit where quite often there's really good news stories. And again, fortunately, they've put the tags on there. Yeah. So, so you, you know what the stories are about. Corona. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus, no one's talking about anything else. So, it is difficult. Yeah. The guy do have my usual sort of news trolls that I do with um, a couple of online servers and a couple of newspapers online. Which ones and do you trust? Which ones do I trust? Well, the ABC mm. News. Yeah. Um, the Guardian. Yeah. Um, and then The Age. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of other things that crop up and, yeah, like news 
com.au is the most popular, whatever that means, news website, but it's basically a trashy magazine um, setting themselves up as news because 90% of the stories are clickbait celebrity stories. So, mm. Or the ads for them. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, so I think they, uh, they gain their status as the most popular just simply by the fact that they get more clicks through uh, because they push things through you know, all the social media. So it pops up on Facebook in particular. It's all over the place. Every, yeah, every time I go into Facebook, the second story will be a, <laughs> an ad coming up from news.com. So, yeah. so I try and avoid them. But, um, but yeah, every one of them. Yeah, you go to the ABC News website and they go, today's highlights and the top six stories which they highlight on their website are all coronavirus yesterday. And I went, yeah. uh, really? And, oh, sorry, I mentioned the C word. <laughs> um, I, I just sit there and go, oh, look, yeah, I... I want to know. Just give me the bloody summary. Yeah. You know, just yeah. Here's one news story. Here's the summary. This is the latest from yeah you know, the medical advice. This is the latest thing that states and the country are doing. This is the international highlights. I don't need 27 human interest stories about how somebody you know managed to get off a cruise ship without being tested and now they got coronavirus. Like yeah. I don't care um, unless they're my next door neighbour. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move straight uh, on. Yeah, get over it. Get over on. it. So you had a story that you wanted to share about a. Blind piano tuner I did. named Graham and McGowan. We'll do it up front, but this is one of those ones I've been trying, and I sent it to you under the heading of puppies and kitten stories. But, uh, it was kind of sad, um, so I didn't get the puppies and kitten but it stories. But sa- it was sad in, in one sense, but he's retired, and I think it was more the celebration of a life. Um, and a life at work, and yeah, I was I was just thinking about with all of the the down news that uh, that you know we've done we've been talking about, and uh, it really dominates the the news stories. Um, it'd be useful to do what a lot of television news have done in the past, and have that. And I used to joke about calling mm. the puppies and kitten story, you know, the the closer you know, with the two minute human interest, you know, warm and fuzzy feeling. Well, and this is the cliche, closest I could right? find. There's yeah. a cliche where I remember. I don't know if it's a film. I don't know if it's like Anchorman or something, but it's one of those films where they have, you know. The news is like murder, death, whatever. And then at the end, they're like, and now check out this this um, little chipmunk or squirrel that's riding, you know, behind a, an electric boat yeah. on a thing just zooming <laughs> around know. in the water. I think that's Anchorman. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is so much like that at times. Yeah. yeah. So, w- what's the story about? Well, yeah, this guy, um, and I, I can't remember his name now. You'll have it in front Graham of Graham McGowan. Graham. Hey, Graham. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a really nice human interest story in a sense that he's uh, been a piano tuner for 50 years yep. and he's blind and he's just retiring from work. And um, the story is really about him saying that um, piano tuning is one of those jobs, one of the very few jobs that he was aware of that somebody with a visual disability was actually in a better position to do than somebody with normal sight. And why is that? Uh, because they have enhanced hearing. Um, and it doesn't mean that their uh, their hair, hearing sensory system is any better, but just their brain is more tuned into hearing because that's their primary sense. Mm. Uh, whereas for most people who are who are sighted, our primary sense, the way we get most of our information in the, from the world, is by sight. Well, and I think they've shown, haven't they, in studies for people who have lost a sensory uh, perception that. There are physiological, biological mm. ramifications where parts of the brain have enlarged yeah, to take they, over. they load on the other senses. Yeah, and that's yeah. definitely the case with hearing, right? Yeah. There's even- I've seen a blind guy riding a bike clicking and he can hear when he's almost using echolocation, I think, effectively, right. where he can tell when something's getting close to him or not. And uh, it's pretty surreal to think, mm. you know, that, that that's possible. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the story is really about him saying that he says that he is better than electronic tuning. Uh, because he has such a fine-tuned yeah. ear, and I think what that and I, you know, I'm not an audiologist nor am I uh, an audio <laughs> technician, but I suspect what's happening there is that um, electronic detection will t- detect a pure note, yeah, you know, but pianos are not pure. And so it would be very difficult for an electronic thing to to exactly hit what a pure note sounds like when it's not pure. Uh, you hit a middle C on the piano, and it's because it's got the the vibration of a you know, a steel string. Yeah, uh, it's not going to be that pure note that you would get out of an electronic. Well, tone, and I would imagine so. that too. The piano just needs to be tuned relative to itself, right? Mm. So you would start with middle C and, and then tune every. Note up and down. Yeah, and potentially based on the essence of the piano, what wood it's made from, the, the temperature, whatever it is, you could imagine that that middle C note might not necessarily be perfect um, for the piano itself if you were to just do the very technical, this is the exact, yeah. you know, frequency. Yeah. Maybe we tune it sharp or flat mm. and then do the rest of the piano re- relevant to itself. Because obviously, if it's just you playing the piano by itself, it doesn't need to be perfectly in tune with everything else because there's no other instruments but playing. The, yeah, the separation of the notes needs to be correct. Yeah. It? And look, yeah, obviously it'll depend on the um, the sounding soundboard and the piano, you know, the backing of it and those sort of things. And if you're playing a grand piano or even a standard piano, whether you've got it open or closed, because I'm sure that will affect the, you know, the how we the, how we detect the transmission of sound from the actual chord itself. But uh, yeah, that so that was just an interesting story that... Uh, that he's saying that this is something that um, is sort of going out of style because you know, anybody can walk in with a tuning instrument yeah. now and just go ping, ping, providing they understand the mechanics of a piano, and that's not going to take long to teach someone, uh, then they can do it. Whereas he's saying that you know, his, his ear and the ear of other people who have done it in the past is better than the electronic version. So uh, that's a really interesting well, thing. It's tough too. I imagine that it's, you know, the sort of, Law of diminishing returns. You could probably buy a cheap electric buy a tuner yourself and, and do it yourself yeah, for a hundred bucks. You can buy something and do it yourself, as opposed it, to paying whatever you pay for a piano tuner. Ironically, yeah. we've got a piano at home that hasn't been tuned. Well, imagine in having a guitar years, and so. having a guitar tuner to come around every I time know, you need to tune your piano. Yeah, like, oh, screw that. Which, and, and this is this is a random aside, but um, I was I was watching. Um, Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman fooling about on Instagram the other day where he uh, obviously has cancelled concerts and instead of that he's he's now doing these random studio concerts out of his home studio I think it's his warehouse not his home but um, and because of the rules of the number of people that you can have in these places and so on he's got a technician himself and Nicole who's doing all the running around and, and rubbish and singing background <laughs> vocals and stuff <coughs> excuse me and the technician is actually playing as Keith said he said I'm, I'm really playing um, karaoke because he's playing guitar and singing and uh, this guy's just playing all the instrumental tracks for his songs behind it. So he's singing live to his own recordings without the voice and guitar track on them. Um, And so that was really interesting. But I was watching him um, and he was messing about with one and he was retuning his guitar. And uh, you're a musician, so you'll be able to understand it. I was. You were. But (laughs) but where he just strummed an open chord and then played a chord, strummed a plain chord, and then he picked one string and went tweak and said, right, that's it. You just so, get to know it, though. Yeah, you, you know. hear the instrument. And obviously, you know, for me, I, I 
Yeah. I can but hear when it's same, off, but I don't know how to fix it. It'd be the it, same so. as you being in your four-wheel drive, driving around and you hear a rattle or you feel a bump somewhere mm. and you're like, okay, I know what's wrong instantly. Or a mechanic knowing that, yeah, right? Yeah, they can I just know. hear a sound, a buzz, and they're like yeah, instantly. No, no I've got to move the yeah, G chord just a tiny yeah. little bit sharper. I think, yeah. too, you're controlling, you're controlling the strum and so you know which chord or which um, string you've hit, you've hit at what time. At what, yeah, and I know. Then and which that, one and, needs but just the fact that that becomes innate. Uh, well, it's a really been, interesting thing. I was watching some stuff recently on acoustic guitar stuff. There's a guy called, I think it's Estas Tornes, and he does like a lot of Spanish acoustic stuff. And you see him giving a concert or something, and he'll tune halfway through a song. Yeah. And that's crazy because he I can know. just hear it and then just bang. Yeah, and you just see a lot of, a like, lot of um, musicians doing that in, in rock and roll and stuff. Although most, yeah. most lead guitarists, certainly lead guitarists who are also singing, um, you know, like Keith Urban is a good example, Bruce Springsteen, a bunch of others that I've seen, they have five or six guitars that after every song or maybe yeah. two songs, they're handing it over to a technician who's running out the back with it, tuning it and bringing it back out to them. I think the trouble there too sometimes is that they'll be using different tunings. So, you have yeah, things like drop D yeah, and yeah, drop exa- C. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, they obviously have specific guitars that are tuned to uh, to different keys, yeah. but they'll also have presumably different guitars that they know with the pedals in front of them, they can get exactly the sound they want out of one guitar that they can't get out of another one. So, mm. Well, uh, and it probably so, gets so. annoying. You know, once you get to the size of Bruce Springsteen, where- you're such a talented player, you'd probably want very specific tone and sound and everything coming out of certain instruments for certain songs, for certain parts, in certain locations. And so, you have the skill to be able to be like, you know, well, I'm not just going to use one guitar for this whole thing, even if it stays in tune, Mm. but I want to, you know, actually keep- um, Playing with my art and yeah, and yeah. tinkering with and it look, all. I mean, I think there's also things like um, audience expectation, um, and Bruce Springsteen's a good example of that. Because whenever he plays "Born to Run," he plays it on his old hybrid Telecaster, yeah. which is the one that he wrote that song on yeah. back in the early 1970s. He recorded it on that. And that's what people expect him to play when he's playing that song, <laughs> and a bunch of others. He'll do. He'll use it as well. But yeah, you know, if he just played his, you know, an old, you know, a Stratocaster, people would go, "That's not right. You don't play it on that guitar." So, so what? What do you think stopped you from becoming a musician? Um, George Benson. I blame him. Why is that? He um, just was just too good. At, yeah, he's a guitarist. He's right? a guitarist. A he's a jazz, jazz guitarist yeah. and sort of popular jazz guitarist. Um, I first saw him live when I was about 13 or 14, I think. And, um, yeah, I'd been messing around with an acoustic guitar, uh, you know, cheap acoustic guitar that a friend of mine gave me because he was sick of playing it <laughs> and uh, much to the chagrin of his parents. But uh, <laughs> so I think I might have given it back eventually. But um, no, I don't think and, that got handed down to me. Uh, it, no, it didn't. Your, yours uh, was my sister's guitar, yeah. which was a classical acoustic guitar. Yep. Um, and yeah, I was, yeah, I'd played and I'd learned a few chords and messed around and I could, you know, I could play a three chord tune and, you know, and so on. But that was about as far as I went. And then I uh, saw George Benson play and went, this is not human. Yeah, you know, this is mm. this is sort of if that's the level that you want to aspire to, forget it. Take up tennis, you know. <laughs> so, and I was never that interested and into it anyway. Yeah. If, I suppose if I had, if I'd been really into it, I would have looked at George Benson and go, "That's who I want to be," and I'm going to practice and practice and practice until I can be as good as I possibly can, uh, which I used to do with sport. And you know, I was I was perfectly happy to watch Bjorn Borg play tennis and go, I want to be like that one day, knowing full well that I was never going to be. But you know, I want to get better. But you know, music really didn't didn't do that much for me. So, and I could I could read music in the sense of understand 
music, uh, but I never got to the point of being able to sight read it in time. You know, be able to just literally scroll across, whoops, scroll across the music and and say. Um, yeah, and and play it to that. So I would have to learn by ear. Yeah, and then I would translate that into the music and go, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Uh, and I've got friends who who can't read music at all, but they're really good musicians. And there are some very famous. Uh, sorry, yeah, there's some very famous um, world class musicians. Tommy Emmanuel can't read music. Yeah, you know, Bruce Springsteen can read music, but he doesn't write in music. Tommy Emmanuel is the classic one. I don't well, know if you've heard that story about him when he was a child. I wonder how many musicians these days, though, write in music. Mm. I would imagine that most of them just sit down and play sit until and play. they write something. And they're not writing notes down on a piece and, of paper. And with you know, electronic technology now, you can sit on a piano or a guitar, play it, and a software will generate the music for you. Yeah. Uh, now, you've got to tweak it and things, but it'll generate the basic chord structure or the, the notes if you're playing individual notes. So- and some uh, of that stuff's amazing. Again, coming back to, I guess, um, disabled people, <laughs> Beethoven at the end of his life was deaf, right? Yeah, he went deaf between the fifth and sixth. Well, he was going deaf in the fifth symphony and he was deaf by the time he wrote the sixth. Yeah, exactly. So, he had obviously, like with tuning the guitar with Keith Urban and just knowing the sound mm. and when to do what, he obviously had everything still in his mind, even if he couldn't hear and could just write down yeah. the notes and know yeah. what he wants. And so, the, the tragic thing there, but amazing thing is that he wrote the sixth and by the time he finished it, he never heard it. No. Right. And arguably, and you know, we'll, as soon as you use hyperbole, people will turn this into an argument, but arguably the most beautiful piece of music ever written is Beethoven's Ninth yeah. and Ninth Symphony, and he never heard it. Yeah. yeah. He wrote the most beautiful music ever written and never heard it. Well, he heard <laughs> it in his head. Yeah, right? yeah <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but it, it's, it's crazy, you know, imagine being a painter who's blind. Mm. You, you couldn't fathom that, but no. I guess, you know. Yeah, but because painting is a pure aesthetic. Yeah. Whereas music is technical in yeah. that you can, you can, you can play music without having to hear it. And so you can write music without having to, to hear yeah. it. So it's so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, have you heard that Tommy Emmanuel story about yeah, when he was a child? And I've heard him tell it and I'm obviously paraphrasing and I'll probably get half of it wrong, but, um, he, when he was about five or six years old, he um, went with his mother to visit her sister, his aunt, and um, he was just dicking around in the lounge room and they got sick of him and her aunt, his aunt just said, oh, there's a piano out in the next room, why don't you go and play it? Yeah. And he just went and walked in there and started playing it. And his aunt turned to her sister, his mother, and said, how long has he been having piano lessons? And she said, he's never played the piano before in his life. <laughs> he just sat down there and, and played a few yeah. notes and just worked out, oh, this is what this is. I can make a tune out of this and I could play something from memory. And so some people just have that. Uh, I've got a friend that I haven't seen for years, but um, he could pick up an instrument that he'd never played before yeah. and just play it. Because well, I yeah, think he'd you can start work to, out those he'd work out. Yeah, he, yeah. he bought. I remember he uh, was at his place once years ago, and he went. And he bought a saxophone, and, and I said, "You don't play saxophone." He said, "No, I've never picked one up before." But he picked it up, and within two minutes, he could play it. Yeah, all he had to do was work out which the fingering worked, and because he'd played other wind instruments, the fingering is basically the same. Um, oh. And so he just, and it wasn't that he he'd played other uh, instruments in the same family. He'd played a flute, but he just went. Yeah, I can do this. And he did it. Yeah. But you would imagine <laughs> so that would be the same thing for you, say, with sports. You were a decathlete back in the day and, mm. you know, you had an all-round 
good ability at different sports. And so, once you get to that point, you could probably start any other sport and much more quickly than someone who is completely naive to any sport. Yes, it's pick it up. General eye-hand coordination. Yeah. And, and for me, and I've always said that most sports are about your feet. Yeah. And if you've got good foot coordination- and you can work out where what the footwork is. And if you can do that innately, which you tend to do if you play a lot of sport, you know, if you play basketball and tennis, you'd look at them and go, this is completely different. You know, they're completely different sports, but they're all about footwork. Yeah. You know, well, it's yes, all it's- positioning your body in the right exactly. place. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the next story I had here was that Queensland fishermen want to relax shark fishing rules to stop predators taking their catch. Have you heard about that recently? Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, well, it's it's interesting because, yeah, my first reaction is like, fuck these guys, you know. The sharks got decimated, their numbers completely decimated mm. for years and years and years, thanks movie Jaws. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they're starting to make their way back. Same as the crocodile, right? Didn't they get like down oh, to a yeah, few tens of thousands? Yeah, yeah, estuarine crocodiles in Australia. Yeah, almost were, went extinct. Yeah, almost went extinct. And now they're overpopulated, according to most people who live in yeah. northern Australia. So. The story here was that Queensland fishermen are saying that sharks are now taking 70% of their catch. Mm. And they want the state government to do something. And there was, like, one trawler who has to now tie steel chains to the back of his net that he's dragging through the ocean because they don't like the noise of the chains banging together. Um, but he'll have up to 30 sharks just following the boat. Yeah. Anytime he's, you know, trawling to try and catch it up to nine feet long. And if they destroy the net, one, he loses his whole catch, but then he has and to spend all the time fixing the net. thousands of dollars of yeah, work to He was saying net. he's losing $1,000 a night. Potentially. So, yeah. sharks are also causing trouble for recreational um, fishermen. Um, significant amount of fish that are being caught by recreational f- fishermen, they're getting sharked. I like. I liked how they've made a verb. We, we turn a noun into a verb, yeah, like, <laughs> like Google. So it's when you you've cast your line out, something bites, and you start, you know, fighting to get it in. And just as and you then get the it in, takes it. It's the it he- becomes the, the super bait. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The head comes up, and that's yeah. it. So you've been sharked. And but they were saying they're losing between you know up to fifty eight out of sixty fish. They mm. reel in, and there's just part of them missing. So. They're wanting the government to reconsider laws so that they can hunt sharks of 1.5 metres um, and they want to be able to harvest sharks in proportion to fish, which is where the article then got me because it's kind of like, okay, we're protecting the apex predator, but we're taking all their food. And so, their numbers yeah. are potentially, you know, outgrowing the resource that they're living off. So, should we be uh, harvesting apex predators at the same rate or in proportion to the other animals that we're harvesting in a food chain or in an ecosystem? Yeah, look, it's really hard when we start messing with it to the point where the numbers start to count, um, where we're messing with one part of the food chain um, without adjusting the others. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, if we're- There's one side of that argument, I think, that just says, look, if we're messing with it so much, why not keep messing with it? Yeah. Um, And the other side that sits there and says, well, should we be taking that much? But then we've been harvesting, you know, people have been harvesting fish from the ocean for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. And the fact is that our, our population keeps increasing and this is only going to get worse. So we have to have a way of balancing it. And I think if we're looking at um, ways of having economically and ecologically sustainable fisheries in combination, then that's the way to do it. And if we, that means we do have to cull sharks, then so be it. 
because then the choice is if people are going to ramp up and say, well, we shouldn't be culling sharks, and I can understand their argument in isolation, then the alternative is, well, the fishing industry dies. Yeah. You know, do you want to eat fish? Then we have to cull sharks. And people will simply say, well, don't eat fish. You know, what else are you going to eat? You know, we'll eat vegetables. Well, well it's got to be how some- going to grow the vegetables? Yeah. <laughs> clear land, kill the so, animals that are there. Yeah. I, I find it ironic, too, that shark are fish- but we don't seem to give a shit about killing tuna or mackerel no. or whatever other fish. But when it's a shark, everyone's like, God, no, leave it alone. Yeah, apex predators. Why do you yeah. think we favour things like apex predators like that and don't consider them equally with other animals that we're farming farming or hunting? Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I think it's that, you know, in this case, the, one of the terms I'll use is obviously irrelevant, but it's the big and furry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we like lions and tigers and so on. But, unless they're yeah, chasing us. Unless they're chasing us. But even so, yeah, people are just going to look at that and go, why would we go out killing lions and tigers? Yeah, but if you were to go out shooting go out deer out or shooting kangaroos. Deer and kangaroos. Yeah. And yeah, so, so I think there's an element of that. Obviously, sharks aren't furry, but I think it is that big sort of apex predator thing that has some mystique around it. Why do you think we find them so awe-inspiring? Because uh, they can kill you. Yeah. Is that the main thing? Do you think, <laughs> and they're big. But do you yeah. think this has been around the whole time where tens of thousands of years ago, we were still in awe of such creatures com- compared to, say, you know, wild sheep or wild rats or whatever? Because it always it always seems to be that with indigenous stories and culture, it's always these large, conspicuous animals that have the mystery and stories and Mm. magic, you know, revolving around them. So, do you think it is that they're just- I think it is, yeah, and and we've invented stories. G'day, mate. That was the first half of this episode of The Goss. If you would like to continue watching or continue listening to this episode, make sure that you sign up for the premium podcast or academy memberships at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get full access to these entire episodes of this series and much, much more. You can go check that out using the links below or just go to aussieenglish.com.au. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, mate, and I will see you next time. Peace.